Hi, and welcome to episode 132 of the Mandarin Blueprint podcast. Just going to jump straight into the comments and emails that we've got this week from you guys. First one's from Anne Giles from the community, our forum. She says, does anyone else during the level three review almost feel tearful with relief when Phil urges students to keep going slowly? I realized I felt such a desperate urgency to make up for lost time. I scrabbled to find a way to learn Mandarin Chinese as an adult isolated at home during a pandemic. The method makes sense and it's working. I'm able to gather up some of my old scattered learning and add it to the learning I'm now doing. Yeah, yeah, take your time, no need to rush. Um, the methods work so you can just rely on them and you don't need to, uh, you can just take it at your own pace. And, um, you know, I had the same thing uh, when I discovered how to learn languages, specifically Chinese. Um, I learned the wrong way for a long time. Um, if you've listened to any of my podcasts, like on Ollie Richards' uh, recent podcast with uh, me and Phil, um, I will teach you a language or um, you can learn Chinese. I mentioned that, uh, you know, I, I learned words just out of context. I, I spent a long time doing using methods and investing a lot of time into things that didn't really work out. But it's never a complete waste of time. And when you start learning properly, things you know, all of your, although, you know, it's very inefficient, sure, but you still got some remnants of knowledge uh, left from back when you're using less effective methods and they sort of piece themselves together as you start getting input, listening and reading exposure. She continues, I, before I looked up each character in Mandarin Companions, Xiaoming, Boy Sherlock, until I was exhausted. I opened up the ebook recently and discovered I could read some sentences. Maybe I'll finally find out what happens in the book. The data is in... The data is in that this is working for me, and now I can just relax and do it. I'm so grateful for Luke and Phil and the community. Well, thanks very much, Anne, um, and thanks for your comment. Uh, it's really good. I'm glad to hear that you're, you've you know, you found something that works. It's a, it's a great relief, isn't it? Especially when you've been really putting your heart and soul into it and not getting the results that you want. So that's fantastic. Um, I got a, an email from uh, Phil, uh, which was not our Phil, just uh, Phil, uh, another Phil that's tied out the course. And I thought I'd share it with you guys here with his permission, of course. He says, good day, Luke. I must say thanks for sending the ebook. So by the way, this ebook is Mastering Mandarin in the Modern World. It's a big ebook. I think it's, is it 93? It's 193 pages, I believe. It's definitely 93 or 193. <laughs> it's been a while since I wrote it. Um, but it's got a ton of useful material. Even if you're on, on our course, you've made it quite a way through. There's lots of stuff in there. Um, and you can find it on our website. Just go to the resources section. And you'll find it there for free. And he says, which I've now read and found very informative. While I have found myself initially excited at the thought of embarking on this greatly anticipated, although sadly very delayed dive into actually learning Mandarin spoken and written forms, I'm also fearing the hands of movie method, but I'm going to give it my best shot by starting today on the 14-day trial before embarking on the full course. Married to a hacker Chinese lady who was born in Papua New Guinea, but educated as a boarder in Australia. We met at a hospital in Australia where we were both nurses. She was taught kitchen Cantonese. That's the first time I've heard this phrase by her parents who spoke it both extensively at home, but never received any formal training. But yeah, kitchen Cantonese, that makes complete sense. Uh, in that context, what that would be. 
And her parents always ridiculed her when she tried to sign birthday and Christmas cards to them, but would get the characters backwards or in the wrong order. When our children were born, we would try to use some common forms of Cantonese with them, which they understood. But as they grew older, would say, please don't talk to me in Chinese and avoided giving out their Chinese names on forms or documents as the local kids would make fun of their names. I was born in Merseyside, England, moving to Australia in 76 when I was 17. I insisted that our kids would have a traditional English name, which we would identify, and a Chinese name provided by her parents, as I strongly feel they need to be aware of their cultural history from both sides of their parents. Yeah, I did the same thing. You know, I named my son George, probably the most British name you could find. Um, but a very cool thing about with, with George is that um, because my mother-in-law, my wife's mother, um, wanted a son but never got to have one. You know, she had three daughters. And the family name, Yang, only passes through the sons, right? He, he, otherwise, uh, the, her daughters, basically, the Yang name has been replaced by the, the men they married. And so uh, she's always, you know, she gets to be now she, with with George, because I don't mind, I don't care about uh, whether what, what his last name in Chinese is, they can have what they like. So he is Yang Zheng Yan. Zheng uh, Yan is like correct speech or honest, upright speech. Um, and, you know, her mum was just so happy that she got to have Yang. And it's technically going to be passed down uh, through the ages. So just a little tidbit for you. I spent the last 26 years working for an international medical company as a product manager covering initially the total Asia region, India, China and all countries below them which was then whittled down to the Asia-Pacific region and then the Australia and New Zealand. During this time, I traveled extensively to each of the countries, picking up a few words where I could to improve the relationship with the customers and employees in each country. Spending no more than two weeks in each country made it difficult for consistency. And with so many languages involved, I've taken my wife on holidays to China several times, including once with my mother-in-law so that she could visit Beijing, Chengdu, Shanghai while she is alive. We even located her family village in Guangdong, which she was elated in finally visiting. She was also born in Papua New Guinea. And now I need to finally knuckle down and earnestly learn Mandarin so that when COVID is eventually under control and we can travel again, I can do more than simple greetings or barter in the markets with locals without the aid of a calculator. Having also been made redundant just over 12 years ago, I feel that the same. Some fluency with Mandarin, both spoken and written, can only enhance my employment opportunities. Although I know learning the technical terminology as it relates to medicine will be a larger undertaking I need to start biting into that elephant. <laughs> Never heard that phrase either. Many thanks again. I hope this email has aided your insomnia, Phil. Yes, thank you very much, <laughs> Phil. Uh, it's a very nice letter, and uh, I, I assume you mean you're trying to say it was boring. It was not boring at all. It's a great. It's great to hear this. Um, and yes, there's no chance that learning Mandarin would ever be a bad idea, especially in your in your situation with so many reasons. You know, you have, of course, romance, connecting with your family. Um, uh, travel, you have career, you got all the reasons, you're ticking all the boxes. So it's a lot of motivation for you. Uh, yeah, learning medical names, terminology, sure. I mean, that's an Anki deck, uh, flashcard deck that you could create for yourself, but you have to master the foundational characters first, but it's not as hard as you might think once you've got that foundation under your belt. All right, so thank you very much for that, Phil. Really appreciate it. Next one's from Al. Uh, another, another email. He says, progress report. Al's been on the course for a while now. A cool thing happened this morning. I woke up and realized that I'd been dreaming in Zhongwen. Dreaming in Chinese. Ah, oh, I remember that first time. It's great. Uh, that means you're listening, you're understanding, you're making really 
good progress. You're making breakthroughs in the language when, when you start dreaming in Chinese, even if it's simple stuff. First time this has happened to me in this language, just very simple stuff. Oh, okay. <laughs> but ideas interesting and encouraging to wake up and realize that was going on. The human mind is amazing. How it will pick and poke and prod to ferret out and discover new things, even while we sleep. There's always a lot more going on than meets the eye. This isn't the first time that this has happened. I used to dream in Korean quite a bit, almost four decades ago, but it was still a minor thrill to wake up and find out what had happened. I finally got caught up on my hanky cards last week after a several months long hiatus when I was working in Northern BC on a pipeline project and just didn't have the time available to study. Now that I'm finally caught up, I've begun reviewing the earlier sentences, just reading through and enjoying the process of filling my mind and annoying my wife with Chinese. Flooding might actually be a better word, or at least some of the time, rather like gentle cramming. I, I came across this word flooding. I believe that's just ex immersion, isn't it? Exposure. Um, but yes, it's... Uh, I believe uh, I believe you're on the right track there. Um, gentle cramming is 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 definitely the way forward. Having re-entered the arena, I see that it looks like the entire course has been reworked and also reset. So I actually have lost track of where I was at. But I actually like this as it gave me a valid excuse to really dig into the early material. This go round, it is starting to feel much more natural and less like a foreign language to me. Even though the online tests indicate I'm only somewhat around five or six hundred characters into it. Yeah, still got another thousand or so to go. And then, of course, we've got the expansion after that. I'm indeed glad you guys made the lifetime subscription option available last summer and that I was able to take advantage of it. I was pretty much flat out broke at the time, but jumped on it when I found out I would soon be working. It is the best investment I've ever made in a language course, bar none in capital letters. <laughs> Al. Thanks a lot, Al. And, um, yeah, that's it's great that you're back on the horse and you're back into it. Uh, remember, you have a lifetime subscription and uh, you, just like I said to Anne, there's no rush. Take your time and enjoy the content. And uh, yeah, the lifetime subscription is always available. We just don't make it publicly known uh, very often. Uh, we might, I think we probably need to put it on our website at least. Um, but it's available at the moment. The current price is $7.99 uh, just for lifetime access to everything we'll ever do. Um, not just the next expansion, but all any other courses that we release after that. So go ahead and check that out if you're interested, um, or just send or send us a message and we'll we'll uh, we'll let you know how to find it. Thanks a lot, Al. Next is uh, Anne again on uh, bonus video: six types of Chinese characters. This is a video I made uh, when we first released um, the pronunciation mastery course. This is one of the first early videos we made. And it's got a lot of great comments. I'm really happy about that because it was um, this is one of the presentate part of a presentation that we used to give when we used to do live courses. We used to just explain what the heck are characters, uh, and this is part of that. There's six different types, and it's if you don't have basic understanding of characters and you look at an article about six different types of Chinese characters, it's not a not that interesting, and b it's, it's kind of hard to get it. So I made a lot of sort of illustrations on that. So it's it's somewhere in the the uh, is it pronunciation mastery or is it phase one? It's somewhere in there. In the uh, in, definitely, if you've got a fourteen day free trial, you'll definitely be able to find it in your trial somewhere. So Anne says, I believe that the under nine minute level five bonus video, oh, so level five of phase one, types of Chinese character part three on its own is worth the entire cost of the course. I've heard this concept explained many times. To see it made all the difference. 
bravo looking for thanks a lot and that's 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 awesome and i it makes me just when i hear comments like that it just makes me want to make more videos like that i love making videos like that that clearly explain things um that maybe are a little bit tough to understand for the beginner um so you know i, I I'll, I'll maybe continue adding those to the list of videos i want to create hank Elliot next on honesty it's a, uh, it's a story and at this point Hank is at 90% comprehension so with all of our stories um, at least in the foundation course we show you 90% comprehension which is readable you know but can be a little bit frustrating even 90% comprehension comprehension can be a little bit frustrating Imagine one out of every 10 words you, you haven't really seen before you know you're not really sure what it means not always completely alien to you but Maybe you've seen it a few times, but still, you haven't learned the characters for it. Um, that's that's a lot, right? But 98% comprehension is when we show you the story again, and it's a big difference. You know, that's actually the recommended percentage is 98 for language learning, of course. So you don't necessarily understand 100% according to the research, because there's you know 2% in there of stuff that's again not completely alien, but stuff that maybe you haven't really fully utilized yet. So that keeps you cementing stuff that you already know. And also that extra 2% of stuff that you're not really sure about, it keeps you moving forward. Um, and you're exposing yourself to new things. So that's that's the theory anyway. And I, we stand by that at the moment. Um, this seems to be working really well for most people. OMG, so much fun reading this story. At native speed, I was able to keep up for about half the story on my first try. That's really impressive, Hank, well done. I'm blown away. <laughs> so Hank, of course, uh, going from you know zero Chinese. Join, oh, I don't know if it's actually zero. That's not fair. I don't, I'm not sure if Hank was zero when he signed up, but I'm assuming very low level Chinese or beginner Chinese, and then being able to read, <laughs> read entire stories. So he's going through that that breakthrough. Feels so cool. He says I'm blown away. Characters I thought I had forgotten came rushing back into my head the moment I heard them again. I think I got about 90% of the 90% the first time through each half. Then second time through, I went really slow, sentence by sentence. Then the third time through, I tried to keep up with the male native speed, and it was a mess. I then went back to the female native speed, and it was nearly perfect. Then I tried the male native speed again, and again, I fell apart several times. Do you think it's because he speaks a little faster or the tone of his voice or what? But his native speed is often harder than hers in many stories, for me anyway. Any thoughts? Could be a couple of reasons. I think just generally males are harder to understand in Chinese. Maybe in other languages too, I don't know. But it just seems to be a thing. I found that as well when I was learning. That's why we have male and female to get used to both. It's something about maybe the way women speak. They speak softer. I honestly don't know, to be honest. There's probably some some article out there on Cora or whatever that explains it. But another reason might be that um, we we chose Jerry because he has very standard Mandarin, but also he's not he's a tutor, he's a teacher, but he teaches English, right? But he's he's just he's not so he doesn't teach Chinese. He's not a he's not so let's say in the antiquated system. So we, he speaks very naturally, but also very clearly. And as a result, maybe, you know, Annie, for example, she's a highly trained, highly qualified university professor. So maybe she just naturally speaks in a way that is slightly more clear than she would normally speak to say her friends or family, Do you know what I mean? 
Um, I, I don't know, but both of them are fantastic and both of them work very well. It's just they have different approaches, perhaps very slightly. Next here is Rick Ang Angeland. I never, had to, never know how to pronounce that. He's been with us for about a year and a half. I still haven't managed to pronounce his name properly, I don't think. And Rick on Vocab Unlocked from Huayuan. He says, a Google, Huayuan, by the way, means garden. It's literally made up of the characters flower, hua, and yuan, garden. Um, or park, I suppose. A Google image search finds entirely Western-style gardens and parks, not a single traditional Chinese garden. Would the same word still be used? And the answer is yes. Huayuan is just a, is a standard, just generic term for gardens. And it can, it can put people off because it's like, well, does it have to have flowers? Like, no, not necessarily. <laughs> it's just a garden. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's it there. So in case anyone else was wondering that, Huayuan is just general garden talk, garden, word for gardens. The next one here is from Hannah Sloat on principle versus reality in Mandarin. This is a bonus video on the pronunciation mastery course, uh, which is available again free if you sign up for the 14 day free trial. And Hannah says, I'm learning to communicate better with my love. My previous girlfriend and I were together for 18 years, but her English was flawless. Yes, it's very difficult to practice Chinese with someone when you know their English is so great. Um, even if they're really nice, you know, they're always going to revert back to English in a, in, a, in a pinch. She's from Shanghai, so I just never bothered to learn, really. i sorry, I never bothered learning, really. I lived in Shanghai for three years and been back many, many times, but still never felt to the urge to learn until I met my now current girlfriend, where it's a lot more important to learn. I'm loving your course. With this and talking to her all the time, I will be fluent. Yeah, you will. Uh, and if you have a native speaker who's, uh, again, English, I assume, is not as good, um, then yes, you're going to have lots of chances to improve your Mandarin, especially when you argue. Because <laughs> uh, it's really, you really want to get your point across clearly because any mistakes can lead to more arguing. Um, <clears throat> just personal experience there. So, yeah. This is uh, this is fantastic news, Hannah, and it's great to hear. Thank you very much for sharing that. Next one is from Linda O'Brien on Make a Movie for Yao, uh, and she just says, "I love hearing Luke's comments as me walking through people's uh, Make a Movie scenes for the learning characters. His voice is soothing, and he always adds more than someone's Make a Movie." Thank you, Linda. That's really nice. <laughs> That's really nice of you. My voice is soothing. I did not know that. I've I've heard boring <laughs> before, but I haven't heard soothing. So that's that's great. Thank you very much for that. Next is Al Roy on bonus connector and uh, reasons and actions with Yinwei and Suoyi. So let's look at the sentence first. See how, see what Al has to say a bit about it. So this is basically saying, is is because my uh, the uh, the clock in my house is broken. Upon reading this, I find that it resembles something else in English, at least in my own mind. Shiyunwei, as it appears in the second sentence above, has a similar feel to is the reason for, as opposed to saying because, whatever comes after it. I can't get enough of this. I feel like a sponge lately. Well, you're kind of right. Either way, it's, it's fine. The reason for and because is basically the same. Although it's, I, I, it is a different way of saying uh, saying it. I would say um, is because is literally what Shiyunwei is saying. Is because blah, 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 blah. That's what you'd say. And next here on uh, Jason Pond for Fan Dian. So there's a sentence here. Let's just see what he wants to say about it first. 
Oh, how does the 点好了点好了 work in the sentence when describing that the food is ready? Okay, so let's look at the sentence first and break it down. 朋友, or yeah, so 朋友在饭店里, so friends in the restaurant, 点好了点好了菜等着我们 so 等着 means waiting, that 着 is, is, is present tense. So it's basically saying, my friends are in the restaurant, they've ordered and are waiting for us. 点好了 is ordered, not not the food is ready, it's just that they've ordered, they dianed it. They dianed it. 所以我们得尽快过去, so we need to go go there as soon as possible. 尽快 means as soon as possible. So how does the 点好了 work in this sentence describing the food is ready? So I just gave you, again, the best idea is just give you a couple of examples. That explains it much better than my explanation. So 好了 essentially just means the, the verb before it is successfully verbed. It's done it's in a successful manner, whatever that may be. So let's look at these examples. 选好了,选 means to choose. So, 选好了吗? Oh, 选好了。Have you chosen? Yes, I've chosen. I've chosen successfully. My choosing job is done. Uh, next one here, 买好了。买好了 is 买, is to buy. So, I've bought everything I needed to buy. I've successfully bought it, or the, the shopping that I came out to buy. And the last one, you'll hear quite often from, maybe from especially, uh, Ching, like an enthusiastic, warm wait staff or laobans uh, of restaurants, so, like managers in restaurants or owners. They'll say, 吃好了吗?吃好了. So, 吃好了 means I have eaten successfully, essentially. But it means I, what, 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 is, what are you aiming to do when you're eating? You're aiming to become satisfied and full and happy, right? Uh, so, it's basically, uh, 吃好了 is a more polite way of saying I'm full. 吃饱了,饱了. If you if you're at someone's house, um, it's 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 not it's not ideal to say 吃饱了. It's fine. You won't upset anyone or offend anyone. If, if they ask you 吃饱了吗, you can say 吃饱了. That's fine. But generally, it's not a compliment. It's just saying, okay, I am full now. <laughs> it's not really saying the food was good. But if you say 吃好了, um, then then uh, you know it's a bit it sounds a bit nicer it's saying like ah you know I'm satisfied uh, but it's often used as a question and of course you answer with chihala anyway I thought that in um, hope that explains that for you Jason and next is Alex uh, on make a move or way which means to surround Alex says reaching here feels like we've just made the long slow climb up the best roller coaster at the theme park we've now made it towards the inevitable plummet what awaits in our Chinese learning journey is yo scary, yo exciting. So he's adding a bit of Chinese grammar in there. Brilliant. Yo. That's when you want to say two things in a row. It's scary and exciting. You say yo scary, yo exciting. Anything comes from this is that maybe next time I can order that roller coaster ticket in China in Chinese. Though not literally. I can't stomach them. That was just for the sake of analogy. Yeah, I don't do roller coasters either, mate. I can't handle them. Um, I've never enjoyed it. I've been on them loads. I've just never enjoyed it. I don't enjoy that thrill. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I love hearing from you, Alex. Cheers, lads. It's been fun, he says. Yeah, I, I, Alex is really funny, writes in a very entertaining way, and I wish he would do it more. So thanks a lot, mate, and uh, best of luck on the roller coaster. So what we're going to do now is jump into the living links. This is for the, for the, the mnemonics for learning compound words. 
And the first one we've got is from Tim. So Tim says on Vocab Unlocked for Zong, as in Zong Shi, which means always, says Willie Nelson's song, You Are Always On My Mind. That's great. Yes, have a theme tune in the background. Picture of Willie Nelson playing that song. Depends on how personal you are with that. Um, but that is a great idea. Well done. And next is from Jeff Bryant on Vocab Unlocked for Cha. Cha, which means uh, essentially difference. It could also mean just bad quality. Cha um, and cha Okay, so cha means, eh, that'll do. Um, or roughly the same. It could mean a few things depending on the situation. Um, and Jeff is is doing what a lot of people are doing now, which is um, giving a creating a sound mnemonic based on English, uh, which works very well. He says, "You've heard of Play-Doh? Now try Chubby-Doh. chubby dough. It's almost the same thing, or good enough. <laughs> good enough. Ah, oh, that's great. Chadiar. Sorry, I almost hit ya, dear. Hit ya, dear. Chadiar. That one is good." It's not quite as good as chubby dough. That's fantastic, but also, um, and you, be, you know, you might be listening to this thinking, "How is that going to help me remember the word?" It works, guys. In fact, sometimes the more silly and like off the mark <laughs> the uh, the English is, the, the better in a way. Um, so well done, Jeff. Thank you. Next is Hank again on um, poor, poor, which means uh, to splash. Uh, and uh, of course, this is for the word "horpo," which means vivid, vivacious, lively. Lively is another one. Yeah, it's made up of the two characters "hor," which means alive, and "por," which means splash. So a, a lively splash, <laughs> or a living splash. More simply perfect Chinese. Yes, and I can. What I would do as a picture for that is I would choose um, someone in a swimming pool, like. Probably kids actually, because they're just generally more alive <laughs> than adults. Just like a bunch of kids playing in a pool, like splashing water, like a freeze frame. That'd just be awesome. Um, but uh, yeah, that's that's really good. Well done, guys, for for those. Next, we've got movies. So these are these are the, the uh, character scenes that we get people to make uh, using mnemonic visualization. So the first one is Nick. Who makes really good scenes and uh, here's a couple from him this week uh, make a movie for which means to wash he says uh, he actually labels it I like that which means movie in Chinese so Shonda that's his actress for XI is in the bedroom at my childhood home for the final or the null final when suddenly she gets squirted with a blast of water but she doesn't see who did it then it happens again. That was a super soaker, which is the left side water component. Thank you, by the way, Nick, for including the, the props in the description. It's really helpful. And Usain Bolt, <laughs> that's a great choice for Xian. Xian means first. Usain Bolt is always first. Running around, so, and it was a super soaker and Usain Bolt running around squirting me. After he does it 10 more times, he stops. So I guess you should get washed up now. Really good. Really good. Thanks a lot for that one, Nick. Next is uh, Nick on jie, which means to untie. So Janet Jackson is in the gym at Barton Elementary where there is a race competition going on. The horn, which is the left side component there, which actually does mean horn, blows and the race is on. Wait, someone has played a trick on Janet. She grabs her knife 
and reaches for her tied up runner, her cow to let it free. Janet loosens the rope with the knife and then unties the cow to catch up in the race for the win. That's brilliant. It's very visual, makes a lot of sense, and it's straightforward, which are my favorite scenes, as you know. So great job, Nick. Next, Rick Santos, make a movie for show, which means to sell. And he says, the SH actor, the cook, gets in at the OU set's backyard where the turkeys, that's the uh, top component, which actually does represent some sort of bird, are kept. As soon as SH actor enters in, they immediately cackle. That's the, so the action of cackling is your, is your mouth component, very interesting. Raucously, so hard to make a sales pitch so that the other turkeys instead will be picked up by Sherwin for dinner. I get it, very nice. When the SH actor gets one already, then they all calm down. The show is over. Show, very nice. Show is over. And that's adding, adding also a bit of a sound component in there as well. That works very well. Thank you very much, Rick. Um, and again, thank you, Rick, for putting in the props in the, in the scene. That's, that's, that's great. Very helpful to me personally, just reading them out. I'm sure other people reading them too. Next is uh, Kairi Shakiri. So we've actually done, uh, Shakari, sorry. We've done an uh, uh, interview with him very recently. He's, he's made it really far into the course. I think he's on about 800 characters now. So he's really in a good chunk of the way through the intermediate course. And we had a really good chat about intermediate learning methods. I sent it out in a newsletter a couple of weeks back. You should check it out on our podcast. And also, there's uh, we discussed uh, I dis discussed a, a few useful things. If you're quite away into the course, you'll find them especially useful. Talked about how to deal with the tutor. Talked about my new output pack that I've I've created. Which the video that goes along with it is not quite ready yet, but you can download the output pack, which is a speaking guide, a writing guide, it's lots of speaking activities to do with your tutor. Um, as well as a speaking cheat sheet, like a thing you can print out and use with your tutor. I thought it'd be really useful for you guys. Uh, so you can download that from the podcast. I will, when it's all ready and completely ready with the video, I'll really, I'll release it all and make an, uh, a notice as I usually do, not only in the newsletter, but on the community too. So you can wait till then, or you can just go to his podcast, look at the show notes and download it there. And one thing that we discussed was that Kyrie, um, <clears throat> He's he's been he's sort of done the method in a slightly different way, the hands of movie method. And he you know, which is I think I encourage people to do. And that's the right he's made it all this way and he even writes down his scenes sometimes, or most of the time, I believe. But he just never shared any because he didn't want to sort of oh, it's not it's not quite the rules that everyone plays by. So I don't wanna <clears throat> I don't wanna like go against the grain or whatever, and but I encourage him to share, and I encourage you guys to share as well more, uh, even if you have a different approach to the hands of movie method. So one of the different things that Kyrie does, um, one of the different things is he all of his sets are computer game worlds because he's really into computer games, video games. So uh, that's just one example. So let's have a look at his scene here. Uh, Kyrie says, note that all my actors' tones and locations have different categories. Yeah, he just did it in his own way, which is fine. Uh, the J.I. actor is his friend Jenny. Well, that looks like goes with the course. Location, bedroom of my house. Top prop, blathers the owl from Animal Crossing game who collects items you gather and displays them in his museum. Very specific, like it. Bottom prop, a tree. Here it has shrunk down in size. Jenny heads upstairs to my room where blathers the owl is staying. With a small tree in her arms, she says, here you go. I have gathered a little tree for your collection. Blathers flies into the top of the tree and perches there looking pleased and says, marvelous, if you manage to gather anything else, please return. 
So I obviously gathering is usually like more than one object, but because this owl is literally out, this owl is literally the gathering owl. Like he's 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 uh, you, when you gather things in the Animal Crossing game, you literally go to this owl and he's he looks at what you've gathered and he displays it. So it's it's it couldn't be more related to the keyword in that sense. Do you see what I mean? So that works really well. If that was just some random prop. And just an, an, an owl for some reason without that background i might encourage uh Kyrie to show multiple objects literally being gathered physically but i think it's absolutely fine it works really well the way it is because of that uh back background story and that personal connection that he has to it so well done Kyrie. please please share more so hank elliott on make a movie for ooh, which you'll see on signs in China, <laughs> you know, it's a very it's never used. <clears throat> oh, I can't I couldn't think of off the top of my head of a situation where you would use this character uh, on its own in speaking, but it's always it's very commonly used on signs. It means don't. <laughs> it's and that, that's what it that's what it is. And you'll, so you'll see it often in like warning signs, uh, you know, in uh, like toilets or on 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 roads or whatever, telling you not to do something. So Hank says, Wonder Woman is in the bathroom of my childhood home, working out with two large swords. Oh yes, I see that the, the the two sort of stroke like samurai sword like shaped curved lines in the in the center there. She's working really hard and working up a real sweat, but one of her arms is in a cast and thus bothering her and slowing her down. So she has to refrain from swinging the sword in that hand. After, oh, that refrain is the keyword we chose, don't, you know, same, same. She has to refrain from swinging the sword in that hand. After she reaches the end of her routine, she repeats it from the point she drops one of the swords until the end, refrain in music. Ah, oh, two kinds of refrain. I think that would be, that would work. Um, it's often, I mean, you're not to know this because you, you, this is just your, your ground, your ground level understanding or foundational understanding of this character but it's used to tell other people to refrain to to not do something so you could tweak that very easily to to show that or you could keep it as it is it's not too big a deal she's refraining from doing something you know that works but again it's usually someone else doing telling someone else to refrain so you might want to add something to that but uh, that's absolutely fine. It works really well as a scene. Thank you very much, Hank. Next, we have Will Rayleigh on Make a Movie for Zhang. Uh, so, Zhang means to swell, <clears throat> to expand in that way. Um, so, I love Will, Will Rayleigh, all, always nice and ordered, very clear, makes it as easy as possible for everyone uh, reading his comment. So, thanks for that, Will. Jerry at the ANG living room. Jerry fires his bow, which is the middle component, at ET which is the right side component. E.T.'s head begins to swell, which is the keyword, of course. That's the meaning of this entire character. So that works. You're using the arrow and you're at E.T. It has a function, a very simple function. And then we've got one more prop coming in. Jerry pours his water bottle, the left side water component, on E.T.'s head to cure the swelling and his head comes down. So everything's being used in a simple way and very clearly and simply showing the keyword and visually, most importantly, uh, showing the keyword in action. So I can't really fault it. And I can never really fault Will's, Will's scenes. They're always good. So thanks for that, Will. And here's another one from Will. He says uh, on Make a Movie for Gan, that means to catch up. And he says, 
AN's living room. That's the AN location. Greg is actor. Greg is moonwalking with Michael Jackson, who's the doll component on the left there. No, doll means to walk, so that's a really good connection. Michael tells Greg to catch up. <laughs> Greg grabs a cactus, Gan, cause just because it looks like a cactus, and it's related to d the desert, which is dry, which is the meaning of the character. Uh, and then as a prop, of course, is a cactus, and whacks Michael Jackson with it to slow him down. Greg now catches up to Michael Jackson. Yes, and of course, um, it's kind of contrast, isn't it? Not being able to do something, and then he uses the props, and now he's able to do something that just happens to be the keyword. And of course, I personally like to add a nice sort of sense of satisfaction and achievement on the actor's face when they do manage to do the thing they wanted to do. So that's a great one. Okay, so that's it for this week. Those are all the comments and emails that we've had from you lovely people. And uh, please keep it coming. We, we love reading them and we uh, it always adds more flavor to the course and just more awesome content. And uh, as usual, and I'm sure you guys mostly know this already, but these comments really help people that are new to the course. Or you know, not everyone is as awesome at making scenes as everyone else. So or maybe some people are watch, uh, going through the course and they're tired or they're just, you know, they're just not in, they want to keep learning, but they're just maybe, you know, they're running on some fumes. And these incredible scenes and just nice comments like this really help people push through. So well done. Thank you, guys. So I will see you in a couple of weeks. Goodbye.